So this bolt of lightning shot across the universe and inspired me with the idea that we have to do a podcast. And that's what I wanted to tell you. We should do a podcast. Okay, bye. Okay. Um, welcome to Future Creep. Colon. Built your microwave. Semicolon. <clears throat> Somebody's going to die. For real this time. For real this time. So, um... We're going to revisit the trolley problem and ethics and philosophy. And the reason we're doing that is because one of our podcasts has an exponentially large amount of hits compared to the rest of them. And it's called Somebody's Going to Die. Right. So um, I like to know that we're disappointing. Disappoint. Yes. People on the Internet. <laughs> the best part about that one is that um, I'm pretty sure our listeners just click on through that one and listen to it like normal. And then there's this like exponential amount of people who have clicked on it accidentally and then left quite quickly by a minute and 41 seconds in they're yeah, gone. I think, I think we have 7% retention after about, yeah, after about a minute and 40 seconds on that one. I mean, compared to the number of people who are hitting it. So mm-hmm. anyway, it's, um, it's funny. So we're going to do another one called somebody's going to die, but for real this time, but for real this time. Yeah. But we're going to talk about the trolley problem again, again. Um, and the reason we're going to talk about it again, well, let's just, go over what the trolley It's good problem. to reestablish your values. Yes, let's re- <laughs> Yes, exactly. So, uh yeah, welcome to our podcast if this is the first time you're listening to this because for some reason um titles that involve someone dying get you into it. Right. So here you are. So please stay to the very I wonder if people were like is this a great. true crime podcast? I, yeah, I don't Somebody's going to die. Yeah. Um just kidding. This is about kidding. philosophy. Yeah, and art and design and things and um yeah, I don't know. Anyway, uh, this is a I, we're going for quantity over quality. I, I think we're just going for quantity. It's not over anything. We're just no act of creation is consi- ever too small. Exactly. Yeah. Um, actually, I shouldn't. The weird thing about quality is that when you think about it, things have a quality. It doesn't. Mm. It's been co-opted by marketing. Yes. When you say quality, what do you mean? Oh, the quality of that thing. Well, like, is it of quality? Right. Well, it has a quality. It has a quality. It has several qualities. qualities. Exactly. So our particular quality is this. I have many qualities, most of them very unlikable. I I don't know. I I find most of your qualities quite enjoyable personally. (laughs) Well, that probably says more about you than it says about me. I suppose it does. (laughs) At this point. Um, All right. So let's get down to to brass tacks here. Um, So we're talking about the trolley problem, and the trolley problem is essentially this sort of moral ethical thought experiment. Mm -hmm, Yeah. Um, And the general form of the problem is essentially there is a runaway trolley barreling down the tracks and you're standing on the trolley and ahead of you is a um, fork in the tracks. And if you don't do anything, the trolley will continue forward and run over five people tied to the tracks. Right. If you decide to pull the lever, then the trolley will veer off to the right or veer off on the fork and right. then run over one person. Yeah. So your choice essentially is you can do nothing and have five people die or you can act and f- and one person dies. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think actually the versions of the trolley problem vary, but I think actually I'm... I'm yeah, you can build it to suit. You can build it to suit, but this is the fundamentals of it. And I think actually the idea is you're standing next to the fork, not on the trolley. I think I'm thinking of... Um, 
the a, good place. Another they, permutation. A number of permutation. I think in the good place at some point they actually stand on the trolley. Yes, I think they do. Yeah. But anyway, um, the, the basics of the problem is like either you act and save five people by killing one person or you don't act and allow five people to die. So um, that is the thought experiment and then all of the moral and ethical arguments fall Is it from better that. to do nothing... Right. And let five people die, which would have happened anyway, and yes. will happen if you take no action whatsoever. Or is it better to take an action and kill one person? So that's like that's the classic dilemma. Yes, and it usually is framed in like utilitarian, like do the greatest amount of good for the most people at any given time, which would mean that you would divert the train away from five people and save five by killing one. Right, and this kind of bears out um, according to Wikipedia. Uh, which is a cited thing. Well, anyway, so according to Wikipedia, they they suggest that um, a survey uh, of of people showed that approximately ninety percent of respondents chose to kill the one and save the five. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, if the situation is modified, where the one sacrificed for the five has was a relative, so for instance, it's save so now it's personal yeah save random five people or run over your mother yeah um then then obviously are like a relative or romantic partner then the respondents are much less likely to be willing to sacrifice their life um the interesting thing was that they were saying that in a 2009 survey that was published in 2013 um shows that 69.9 percent of professional philosophers would switch i.e. sacrifice the one individual to save the five lives in the cases of the trolley problem. 8% would not switch, and the remaining 24% had another view or would not answer. <laughs> They're like, I'm too smart to commit any kind of a position on this fucking experiment. Uh-huh. I'm not saying shit. Right? I don't even like the trolley experiment. Yeah, it's it's pretty hilarious. The trolley problem. The trolley problem. The trolley problem. Um. <laughs> I mean, there's there's a lot of issues with the trolley problem. I mean, it, one of the top things is like... Why are those the only two choices? Yes, exactly. Yeah. Right. Um, I mean, the fact that we live... The world that we live in, when has it ever been this case that you have to make such a binary decision about anything? Right. You either have to pull a lever or these five people are going to die. Yeah. What? I mean, I like... So another one is like that Sophie's choice, which I don't actually know that much about. But my understanding is the idea that you choose, you have to choose one child or the other or something like that. Yeah. So in Sophie's choice, yeah, it was a woman who was taken to the concentration camps and she had to decide which kid she was allowed to keep. Uh huh. And in effect, whichever one she didn't keep, she was condemning to die in the gas chambers and then they killed both children anyway so she oh, was gotcha. forced to choose oh, so and yeah. then it didn't matter that she made that horrible choice right right um i believe that's how it goes because she okay. survives but her children do not yeah and so i think it was just like so i know that um i well i think a lot of times people bring this up in the context where it's like but that's not the case mm. it's very rare that you're put in that position right and I imagine most of the time people do whatever. I mean, I imagine she did whatever she could to save both children, which in the end meant making some arbitrary decision that didn't matter. It's but. very unusual that in order to ensure someone's survival, you have to ensure someone else's demise. Exactly. Like yeah. with that just never, those things are generally not connected. Right. Like right. killing this person doesn't save you from this other person dying and 
in a, in real life very often. <laughs> right. And then the idea that you would have any amount of time to think about the decision in the first place just makes it right really uncommon. There's a lot of people who are very critical of thought experiments because they're like, what the fuck are we even talking about right now? Yeah. Like yeah. in no, like we're trying to do uh, a serious intellectual inquiry into the nature of like different philosophical methodologies right like utilitarianism or like libertarianism or like and there's even within utilitarianism rule utility like act utilitarianism rule like which which utilitarianism are we talking about here Mm -hmm. and like it's like it just becomes oversimplified and Mm -hmm. so it's not a very helpful experiment to think through Mm -hmm. maybe is like the criticism right right like what are we what what headway intellectually are we making here like none right none whatsoever you're never going to be forced to choose between five random innocent people on a train track right and one innocent person and one innocent person on the like right derail yeah it makes no sense yeah but it's just supposed to illustrate you know very bluntly like the one in the many or the like yeah metaphysical concepts yeah um meta-ethical concepts meta-ethical concepts yeah um i so i think i think when it comes to like my own position on on thought experiments in general is that um i'm fine with them because they have the context of being a thought experiment Mm -hmm. like i might i i can choose not to participate or participate as i feel and i don't have a particular um it's not to say that they have no consequence if that makes sense because ideas do have consequence i mean sure religion is a perfectly good example of a very strong idea that has you know plenty of consequences plenty of consequences so um I think that it's fine to have, and I think, you know, it, whether I like them or not, people are going to continue to like forming and creating and participating in thought experiments is something that we do by our very nature of being conscious. Mm -hmm. We do. What if, what if, I mean, that is exactly what we do. I mean, that is, that is the reason for having a model of the world and your, or the model of the, your external universe inside of your head. It's what allows you to pick up cups and glasses and not spill them and brush your teeth and do all of the other things that you need to do to interact in the physical world. Mm -hmm. Um, So, so whether you like it or not, that's the, that seems to be the nature of, of being human. Um, That said, I also think that I'm fully stretching the context of what, what one might be criticizing about thought experiments. Um, you know, I'm kind of like, Hey, but by the way, you're thinking right now, therefore you're doing a thought experiment. That's not what I mean. And you know what I mean? I know, I know um, what you mean. Yeah. So, but I also think, um, uh, I mean, in other fields, thought experiments, especially like in mathematics and physics and things like that, thought experiments are a great place to start. Um, there are yeah. our first and like most powerful virtual environment to experiment in. Well, and they're like um, basic and intrinsic to, philosophy because before we had the philosophy of science which is now just called science right or the philosophy of medicine which is now just called medicine or right. the philosophy of law which is just called legal practice right um all we had were thought experiments right we didn't have you know physics like we think of physics now like they teach you in school no exactly and yeah. so these sort of thought experiments were you know that was the origination of where science and 
skeptical inquiry came from is mm-hmm. is the big what if, right? Right. And well, what if, what if, what if we discover something? How do we know it's true or not? How do we know what real is? How do we know if I'm awake or dreaming? Like, right. Like it all how, started how somewhere. We, right. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I think thought experiments can be really, really fun. Um, yeah. I mean, I think the trolley problem is a perfectly fun thing to think about um, because no one's actually dying. Right. So, I mean, well, maybe fun is a, it's fun because it does kind of force you to think about yourself or it, it can. Yeah. Um, none of these things force you to do anything, but it definitely makes an easy, it's an easy way for you to kind of think about yourself. Yeah. Um, it is also interesting to see people who, or to observe people who are thinking about it um, and watch how some people will just be like, well, duh, you just pull the lever, done. Like, why are we still talking about this? Yeah, why is that's this over. even a question? Like, we all know the answer to this question. Um, and that's fine, but that also, I, I always think it's always interesting, especially with people like that where you're like, okay, yes, but have you considered right. if we change it a little bit and now that one person is, say, someone you're related to? Yeah. And then you look at, you know, when we're talking about that survey that I cited earlier from Wikipedia, it's basically, it bears out. It's like, oh, wait a second. As soon as there's some weighted value on those lives, I'm Uh going to choose very differently. Right. And that, what is that value? Well, it's some emotional value, right? Um, I guess, or, you know, what do you you describe the value of um, how one human values, like, say, you know, a close personal relationship? Yeah. I mean... I don't I mean <laughs> I don't necessarily think that I see I'm going to go on record and I'm going to get fired from a future job I don't even know I have yet uh-huh. for saying this but what I should have said What I should have said was nothing. Right. But, but what I did say was um in most cases for me if it was five strangers on a track or pull a lever and kill a stranger to save them yeah it's a no-brainer for me it's like well sure. sorry somebody's gonna die and right. it's not gonna be these five people yeah if i know the person that i would derail to yes i don't think that that would necessarily I, so, interfere with my logic here yeah i mean i imagine like if you kind of inject sort of the emotional content of it where say if it were you or i yeah and i know you um, I'd but be like, I, don't I love you, buddy. Are... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, it'd be like, okay, I think we're like, this is what you'd want me to do, right? Like, you're... obviously, I have to kill you. Yeah, because these five people are going to die. Right. Well, and then it, you know, it raises a lot of uncomfortable questions for people. Like, why are five lives more valuable than one? Right. What did those lives do? Like, yeah. I remember when I was in a, a bioethics class, and I was studying with. It was cross-listed, so they're uh, the university that I went to trains lots and lots and lots and lots of nurses. Mm -hmm. And some of those nurses had never had an ethics course before. And so this was a cross-listed master's program class slash undergraduate class for philosophy majors. Yeah, And it was about like, um, you know, all of the great stuff about bioethics, like who get, who deserves an organ transplant, right? What sort of life and background bump you over somebody else on an organ transplant list? Like, These sorts of like life and death scenarios and how do you become an arbiter of of restricted resources. Right. Like who it becomes an issue of dessert. And yeah. so like who deserves what is a thing that maybe is central to ethics, but isn't always 
framed. I mean, it, there you can have a lot of ethical conversations without talking about who deserves what. Um, sure. But in bioethics and with scarce resources, that becomes like the whole central organizing right, it's concept. Kind of the central idea of ethics in bio, biology in the first place. Or yeah. Bio, uh, in, in medicine. Right. So um, one of my professors was like, okay, take it easy on these people yeah. because they've never had a philosophy class or an ethics class before. Right. And a lot of what they said made me terrified to ever end up in a Catholic hospital, first sure. of all, yeah. incapacitated or otherwise. Yeah. Um, uh, there are terrifying places. I mean, Catholic hospitals are fairly backwards. Well, and there's an generally. awful lot of them because they're the only ones willing to go into rural areas where they're yep. not going to turn a profit. And so... Right. The no, it's a, it's a weird... Like, I'm not saying yeah. they're evil in and of themselves. It's just... It's, it's upsetting that that's the nature of it, right? Yes. Um, you know, when you have great strong science backing up, you know, good positive outcomes, and then you have some religious factor coming in and saying, well, we're still not going to do it that way. Yeah. Because we think it's it's against our the, religion. The Catholics or whatever Catholic weird. hospitals and their treatment of mothers is real fucking it's not good. Problematic. Yeah. Catholic the Catholics treat I can say this, I'm a Catholic because they won't let me leave the church. That's the other thing. You have to die to get out. Right. They won't expunge your name from their records right. of like the faithful, devoted followers, whatever. I'm not. I haven't been since I was old enough to think. Right. Um but there's a lot of like weird shit tied up with like suffering and like the the holy burden that women carry of being you know the procreators or whatever and uh -huh. all this dumb fucking purity shit that just That's super wrecks gross. people it's yeah. super gross yeah so it's interesting to have kind of like weird conversations about bioethics but then you realize that like even within that argument, there are people operating on a totally separate set of values from yeah. how you would otherwise approach scarcity in medicine. Like, right. It's just fucking trippy. Yeah. 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 So, um, anyway, so I think, um, I don't even really remember. Also, we can be critical of Catholics without like having to, you know, qualify I, the statement that I'm a Catholic, so it's okay. I say it. No, your absolutely. shit's fucked up. You hurt people all the time. Yeah, and that's a well understood. I mean, yeah. I just wanted to qualify well that. Yeah, no, I understand. I mean, I, I think what you're actually saying is just you, you don't speak, have to be an you speak insider. From a place of understanding, having yeah. been in that, yeah. Um, so, uh, what, where was I going? Oh, um, yeah. The, so the trolley problem is kind of that. Like, I think it's kind of famous for being that kind of gateway to like ethical discussion. Sure. Um, it seems to come up a lot. Um, there's like one of the, I, I always like one of the, um, the, one of the easy manipulations of it is like shifting the numbers around. Like what if it's two and three now? So it's kill two, save three. Oh, um, you know, at what point for you personally, is it, you know, so like, is it, if it's three and three, then are you someone who just doesn't do anything? Right. Or do you act anyway because the act is important? Or right, um, that's the que that's the question. That's kind yeah. of like the central question. Right, like do you you know do you attempt to make some some change in this mm -hmm. situation? Um, 
you know, and then obviously like it seems like kind of a no brainer when you're talking about like save one, kill four right. by acting, you kill four, but you save your mother. Like, you know, yeah. this time it's switched around. This time you save someone you know, but you have to act and that action kills four other people right. or five other people. You know, how many is it before you decide that you're going to not save your mother and it's worth just standing back and letting her die while, you know, or whoever else you're yeah. attached to and love as an individual. Right. Um, and so all of these things are just like, and, but again, like they're kind of absurd because this isn't something that you usually face. And I, there's probably, you'd be hard pressed to find real life examples where this is ex- absolutely the case. Ever happened. Yeah. Um, yeah. So there's, I like one of the things about the, one of the things about the trolley is like, what if you were on a bridge over the tracks right? and you could push something onto the tracks that would derail the train, killing whoever's yes. driving it, but not two kill of you. Do you push someone next to you or do you push yourself? The f- yes. And the, the, the classic example is the fat man. So right. if you could push a person fat enough onto the tracks that they would derail a train, right? would you take the active step of pushing or would you stand by and not commit someone to death right but through your inaction right because in this case you're not even pulling a lever to kill him like you have to push this person right you have to be next to this person and push them over the cliff in order to save the five lives and these are like questions of culpability too like is doing nothing the same thing as actively doing something right is passively allowing five people to die the same thing as actively causing someone to die? Yep. Yeah. Is one better than the other? I yeah. mean, that in, in and of itself is like a silly, absurd question. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. No, it really is. Um, but it's also, I mean, but the but they have kind of good ramifications in the sense, like, here's a real world example where, um, you know, currently a lot of things are getting a lot more publicity around the black lives matter movement because it turns out cops kill a lot of black people unjustly and with immunity and impunity. Yes. Um, And so one of the, one of the issues is that a lot of times there's one cop who does the actual killing, but there's multiple cops who are there witnessing it and not taking Do action nothing. to stop it. And so the question becomes, how culpable are they? Um, yeah. You know, are they, is their inaction, <sighs> like, I mean, yeah. I, generally my feeling is like, yeah, they're quite culpable. They're sitting there watching a colleague basically murder someone. Right. And they're doing nothing to prevent or mitigate harm to this individual, which is their whole sworn, sworn to like serve outside of the bullshit. cops and the military. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of like military folks who are justifiably upset that the police are running around acting like over militarized dicks without yeah. any of the rules of engagement. Yes, exactly. Um, so like outside of a, a, a military or a police situation, I just really can't think of when you would have to make choices like this. And right the cops shouldn't be making those choices. No, I, I don't know that much. I have a lot of complicated feelings about military and war. And so we're not even going to get into that here, but since we're on the topic of cops, like, no, you should not be in the position to, to meet out what you think is appropriate punishment. Right. For something. Yeah. Um, the cops are just punishers. Oh yeah. No, it's, it's disgustingly gross. And if you if you're the type of person who doesn't think that a retributive model is a good model wherein people are just getting punished all of the time for shit like 
you don't think it's better to head that stuff off at the past rather than wait around and punish everybody? Like, I, it just seems dumb to me. Yeah, no, it's, it's counterproductive. Unsupportable. Too. I mean, it's not. There's there's no evidence that that. Um, I mean, our whole our whole criminal system is is fucked up. There's it's not. I forget what it's called, but the the idea of um, what like threat of violence to prevent something is not actually incentive for people to not commit those crimes. It's not a deterrent. It's not a deterrent. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, we know this because and and they don't want it to now. I mean, it's an industrial complex. They have no interest in people not going to jail. No, they have and, a vested re- interest in as many people as possible going to jail. Exactly. Because there's a profit motive and there's also a political motive. Exactly. Which is when you criminalize people, you can legally take their rights away. Exactly. Which means they can't vote. Right. Which means that if you can arrest all the people that don't vote for you, then you'll always get erect, elected. Erected. What's interesting, too, is that the census counts prisoners, but they are without representation. Right. And so, like, there are whole swaths of the country where the population is an entirely non-voting population. And so if you if you set up, and this has happened with the Republican Party, yeah. if you set up a trailer house outside of a prison population in the same voting district as that prison population, yeah. you can get all of the population benefits yes. in Congress, but none of the actual political accountability right so like you can have a population in a particular district of sixty thousand people if you had that many of them in jail none of whom has any say over the political process and then you move in you pay people to move into those districts who then will vote and there's only a couple of people you have to convince to vote your direction and suddenly you've got a massive amount of political clout and power with you don't have to represent anybody right it's very fucked up yeah it's super fucked up um, so that is how you get from the trolley problem to, uh, really quickly to fucked up political issues in our country. And especially with the, uh, police and polit- and the, uh, prison industrial complex. Right. So good job. Wrap that one up. Good thing we solved that one. <laughs> okay. Handled, <laughs> handled it, <laughs> handled it. Um, no, but seriously, uh, there's, um, the trolley problem is is i think it just leads to a really i think it's a pretty accessible doorway into ethical discussion um i mean i but you are an ethicist and actually i consider you my ethicist as in oh like, god keep you in my back pocket so imposter I mean, what, syndrome like how would you encourage people to think about ethics like outside of the trolley problem oh or so just in general the thing about ethics is that um there oftentimes well there's a lot of different ethics the type of ethics that i am most interested in are not so much the meta ethics which is like what is good what is evil sure, right. it's more um i focus my interests are focused largely on applied ethics uh-huh. and so like okay yeah the fucking trolley problem in utilitarian what does that actually mean for real life people Right. And so a lot of the ethics that I care about intersects with like how people live their lives in an actual way and issues of scarcity or who is this good for and why and um, like hammering out some details. So when you're thinking about like ethics, there's not usually a right answer, at least in applied ethics. There are some answers that feel more right than others or you can argue better for Mm -hmm. or worse for, but um, there's not really like you know, a good, there's not really a good way to 
do it. Like there's problems with every solution. Sure. And so yeah. it you get adept at being unemotional about the complexity of the problems mm-hmm. and you just are trying to sort through the puzzle pieces. Right, right. Um, and so a, a strong ethical argument is one that accounts for all of the moving parts of what appears to be going on, right? right like with the trolley right. problem you've got, is there someone driving the trolley? Right. What responsibility do they bear? Right. Are they passive and you are controlling where the trolley goes even though they're in the trolley? Right. Like, why, who are these five people on the track and why are their five lives in aggregate more valuable than another single human life? Right. Every human life is valuable. That's a, that's like a, core tenet of ethics right like everyone you don't use people as a means to an end you don't extort or exploit people um and you value everyone as essentially equity you look at everyone equitably Mm -hmm. as much as possible but that's not actually how the world works right and so a lot of times with ethics you run into like here's what we should do but here's what we have to do. Like, what we should do is this. And ethics is the, the should and could, right? Right. Um, what ought you do in a situation. And yeah. so applied ethics is like, well, in a situation like this, the argument would be something like X, Y, Z, right? Sure. Um, so I think ethics is really tricky also because like me studying ethics and being skilled at making ethical arguments doesn't i don't have like a moral high ground here i'm just a fucking asshole like everybody else yeah and many of my decisions would be motivated by things other than arbitrary ethical constructs like i am a subjective person with biases and i would like select for those probably right exactly in my choices and so any 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 idea that you are removed from the ethical processes about which you are speaking is silly because you're not right. you're never separate from it. Yeah. Um yeah, it's it's a process and it's a balancing act. So it's like, okay, if this is true and this is true and this is true, then what? Mm-hmm. Well, if this changes and this changes, then what's your answer? If this and so it's a lot of like, you know, trying on different shoes and seeing how they fit and being like, "Uh-oh, that's no good. We're not going down that road." Um but like, you know, with COVID, when there are too many people on respirators, you either have to make a choice. You say no to people who are showing up needing them yeah. or you take people off of them and reappropriate them to other people. Right. And the thing that's really fucked up in healthcare ethics is that doctors, nurses, healthcare workers, their job is to not do things that harm you. And right. so taking a ventilator away from one patient and giving it to another patient that on some rubric somewhere is determined to be more deserving of that care yep. runs counter and antithetical to everything doctors and nurses do and say they're going to do when they sign up to be doctors and nurses. And so ethical decisions in healthcare often come down to a person like, you know, aspirationally me or other people who are at this point in time more qualified than I am to be making decisions. And you sit on an ethics panel Uh at a hospital and you steer the operational decisions. decisions. Right, right. um, Because you are uh, as as informed and yet neutral a party as humanly possible. So right. the thinking right. goes, right? You're, yep. You tell the doctors and the nurses, this is our new protocol. You're following it. You don't have to make the choice. I'm making it for you. You just have to provide the care in the restrictions that I'm outlining for you. Right, right. And so you 
there's a huge moral burden on ethicists in healthcare because I mean, but this is an interesting problem to me in my mind. Um, I don't see that much uh, like, so to use your example of the ventilators in COVID mm -hmm. when you're triaging and the issues of like who gets to use the ventilator right? or whether someone comes off of the ventilator. So someone who can survive may more right. likely survive gets to have the ventilator. Right. To me, this is a similar, this is a kind of version of the trolley problem where Instead of, and when you're talking about having the ethicist, it's like, so I stand at the switch, but I don't have to decide who does it, but I still have to pull the switch if I'm told to. Right. And so I stand at the switch and someone else decides whether I should pull it or not. Mm -hmm. Now and there are some, there's a, here's a particular switch that was hotly debated and yeah. is probably still being debated heavily because I don't know that there's ever going to be a solution for this sure but um the question of like again with the ventilators yeah are we just saying that people over a certain age don't get them because their savable years are so limited and they may have with advancing age other confounding variables or comorbidities that make it less likely that they will have a successful course of treatment on a respirator than somebody else will yeah like those there are some places on the planet where uh an age cutoff would be something people could live with that is not the case in america right you just arbitrarily being too old for care is not something that we at least publicly state we're willing to support right i mean culturally we're doing that right now because no one's wearing their masks and all the you know we're putting everybody at risk but yeah that's you know right right um and everyone's just like, oh, everything's open. Let's just go do that now. I mean, even anyway. Yeah. Um, People who are doing that are rude yeah. and arrogant. Yep. And, um, and harmful. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I want to say. You're harmful. You're yeah. harming, you're, you're directly harming other people. Um, there's just such a huge, ethics crisis with an, uh, when I think about not wearing a mask in public. Yeah. Like you're, you're in an indefensible position if you do that right now. I, sorry. No, I, you don't need to apologize. That's, um, I, I read this, this tweet. Uh, I wish I could att attribute it, but, um, probably this will never be that important. So I don't think they'll ever care, but they, someone was basically saying that, um, if, if we lived in an RPG right now, like a role playing game, yeah, and you had an artifact that increased your chances of surviving COVID by 13%, you'd equip that shit right away. Yep. You'd be like, oh yeah, my character's wearing that. Yep. Yep. I'm going to take on my 13% increase in armor. You know, sure. it's like, because a lot of the arguments people have is like, oh, they're just not that effective anyway. And it's just such a bother or whatever. And it's like, but it's more effective than not. Yeah. And this is no joke. Like this isn't, you know, speaking of the, people who qualify and don't qualify for um for care in a triage situation yeah um my friend and you you've met her before she um she has medical conditions that mean that if she goes and there's any question about who gets a ventilator she doesn't right that's just and it's so just, she's it's over before it starts yeah and so she's really terrified and like you know even now when it's like people are really relaxing shit and they're like hey everybody can go do the things or whatever and it's like you know, and so in America, we didn't really flatten the curve so much as we just sort of like postponed the inevitable. 
Right, right um, which is something that I was very concerned well, about because all of not these... Not inevitable. We could have solved this, but anyway, sorry. Go well, uh, okay. Yeah. Given the choices made early on in how to handle this situation, yeah. the outcome that we are seeing now, I feel, was inevitable because it's yes. extremely predictable. Right. Like, if you do X... Why will happen down the road? If you shut people up, yep. you don't come up with a long-term solution for people being like reorganizing physical society as we know it right. overnight. If you don't take those steps, you're hitting a pause button on a movie that has the same ending. Right, right. It'll take you two hours to watch it. Yeah. Or it'll take you 15 fucking years to watch it. It depends on how often you keep pressing pause and then hitting play again without changing any of the variables. Right, right. Just if you needed to hit pause, then that's your opportunity to do all the things that need to happen. Right. And also, like, there are, you know, indications that people who have recovered from COVID and have immuno, you know, like, it, it, they have... Oh, they have antibodies. They have antibodies. They have right. some immune activity right. to the presence of the thing. They're like retesting people and people months later don't have those antibodies anymore. It looks like, I mean, this is all real preliminary, but like, right. But that's a real risk. But This is a real risk, which means that some people are, this is probably just going to be a thing now. If you, if your natural immunity doesn't last very long, I, I don't know what kind of a vaccine you would create that circumvents that problem that works better than your own immunity. I just, well, the, I mean, what you do is you have a vaccine and you get everyone to have it at the same, at the same time. time. So you just eradicate the disease. Yeah. Which is what we've done with some diseases polio. like polio and yeah. Like well, smallpox, smallpox was, yeah. was right. Was, but you know, let's not vaccine people anymore because we're idiots. And so we can't do that anymore. Yeah. And so now that's all coming back. Yeah. Um, so yeah, like I, it's, yeah, I, I, the, the ethics of care in this situation are that you minimize the amount of damage that you as a single individual are inflicting on other people as single individuals or in groups around you. That is, that's where we're at right now. That's all we can do. Yeah. There's no vaccine. Nope. There's no long lasting, like you get it once and you never get it again, like chicken pox. This is not the same thing. This is going to be real fucking problematic for a really long time. Yeah. And the, what people are doing right now, like in Yuma, in Arizona, in Phoenix, there are more people needing hospitalization than there are rooms for them to go into. And so they're sending people out of Arizona. Like they're sending people over here to San Diego. Oh, great. From Yuma. Lovely. Yeah. Good job. I mean, I'm glad that they're, that that's even an, an option for them. Lucky them. Lucky them. Yeah. Um, yeah. So somebody's going to die in for real this time. Um, whereas before we were joking. Right. It was a thought now, experiment. Now yeah, it's true. And now it's true. And that's pretty fucked up. So yeah, basically in the, the way that the healthcare system is set up in America, um, with regard to COVID, there will just be some people who are fucked before they get started. Yep. Yeah, they'll get sick and they're going to die and they won't even get That's a, it. a fighting chance for it. Nope. And 
even your fighting chance stuff is not that great a guarantee. No, I mean even with even with the full medical care, it doesn't mean that you're gonna. You know, there's still a good chance. Or, well, what will be interesting portion. to see over time, and you know, interesting in a really morbid way, is yeah. okay. So there are people who get COVID and they don't have any noticeable symptoms, and like they just move on with their lives, and they're kind of like in the silent infected pool. And then there are people who are like, "Hey, I feel great," and four days later, they're like crashing out in a ICU alone. And so what's, what's interesting to me is that they've done a lot of research into the genetics of who's susceptible, susceptible genetic susceptibility. And, um, you know, there's been a lot about blood types and more or less susceptible based on that and genetics. And it's all fairly inconclusive at this point. There's a couple of chrome or, um, genes on in two loci, that appear to have quite a bit to do with how COVID works in the human body, but not anything that we can take that information and go do something about it yet. Right. Um, what I'm interested to see is, can a person become reinfected? And if so, is their experience of the infection variable? So if I got sick the first time and it was a slight cold, it, does that mean that it's just something I'm going to have to put up with and because that's how infected, my it'll always be a slight it'll cold. always be a slight cold or right. is this the type of thing where like we have to worry about you know reinfection because next time it might be awful it might crash you out yeah just a total lack of you know standard protocols on how to handle it yeah. so I just if you don't want to potentially die alone in an intensive care unit struggling for oxygen right drowning yeah essentially like just fucking wear your mask yeah and don't be the person that passes that on to somebody else right don't be so fucking arrogant it's pretty awful like when we're talking about your right not to wear a mask in public versus other people's right not to die yes they win you should put your mask on right right now yeah and that's not I This is not a contest. This is not about polit this is not about like rights. No, it doesn't matter or, about laws or anything like that. I mean nope. we're just, you know, if it's four of us in a room and you're the one who doesn't want to wear a mask and you're we're the not, dick. We're stateless, you're the dick. It doesn't matter. Yep. It's like we're all gonna put them on and if you decide you don't want to because you want to kill the rest of us, fuck you. Yeah. You know? Like yeah. come it's on. An, you're in an indefensible position morally. Right. Stop it. Yeah. Um Oh, God. This is not about free speech. No. God, it's not. It's such a... This is not a First Amendment a, what's issue. What's that called? Like a straw man argument mm. or something where it's basically like, oh, but this other thing that's kind of actually unrelated and that's not what this is about, but it's yeah. inflammatory. Right. I think that's it. Yeah. Yeah, straw man fallacy. It's yeah. getting people upset about the wrong things. Right. Yeah. <sighs> Ridiculous. Um, I feel like I had more to say about... Oh, I was going to say, you know, some of the interesting um, iterations of the trolley problem are things like, okay, so there's five, five random, there's four random people and one random stranger and you can either Mm -hmm. kill the random stranger or kill the four people. Right. But it's not just four, it's four plus someone terrible like Hitler. Right. And so now your choice is to do nothing and have Hitler and four innocent people die or save those four innocent people, but also save Hitler right. by killing an innocent person. So right. I don't know. I just think it's an interesting. You know, if like a, a fascist shows up in the equation. Yeah. It's then, real easy. It's real easy. Well, they get to die. Yeah. 
um, <laughs> even at the expense of four other people, four other instances. I mean, that's kind of the point of it, right? Oh, it's right. like, how do you weigh? Because now you're weighing. But all you're really doing, a lot of this, a lot of the reconfigurations seem to be about shifting around this like fundamental question of how do you weigh one life against another? Well, right. And it seeks to do that in sort of a vacuum. Like the, the benefit supposedly of thought experiments is that you can isolate the issue that's really at hand. Yes. The issue being, right. Is one life more valuable than five or vice versa? Right. And how do you choose? Right. right. Who deserves to live or die? And these things like there's a lot of confounding variables in real life questions about that. But in this trolley problem, all it is is five strangers or one stranger. Right. Like that's right. never going to happen. I mean, it's never yeah. that simple. And so like a lot of ethics is just arguing for a particular view or a particular position. And I think applied ethics is easier because you've actually got something to go on. Like it becomes much more tangible. Uh, right. I, I mean, also there's consequence to your decision which and there's pressure to make a decision and right um everything has more weight yeah 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 and things are more mutable too you know you're like okay well what can what can we actually change now like in the trolley problem it's like or it turns out there's this other lever that we just weren't mentioning and if you pull that one no one dies right or, you know, I wave at the trolley and the guy on the trolley is like, oh, hey, there's a brake. Like, you know, whatever. Yeah. Why is there no brake on this train? Yeah. Um, eh, yeah. So it's kind of uh, it's I still think I I was still thinking kind of about the whole idea of um, the problem of like if I'm standing at the trolley, if, if I'm standing at the switch, but I'm supposed to do what someone else tells me to do. Mm that's still a difficult i was just following orders well no no but i mean yes like and i i understand that you know some of the burden of the decision falls to the like in this case this isn't i'm not necessarily making an argument of like i was just following orders that's why i ended up killing somebody it's more just about um how how in that scenario, I think it's still hard to shift the the moral weight or the ethical weight of mm-hmm. the decision to someone else yeah. where I've just agreed to follow what you say and I'm going to say, okay, well, you're the one who's going to be the impartial ethical decision maker. Right. And how it's still like it helps. I mean, I'm not saying that's not how you would call it like solve that problem in a hospital because mm-hmm. I, I don't know another solution, but it doesn't, those doctors and nurses still ultimately are human and have a choice to make, right? Like they, well, they're, they should not be put into the position of having to make life and death choices for every patient they treat. No, but they're the ones. So if you say, yeah. okay, you have to take this person off this ventilator so they die and save this other person. Right. They're the ones who have to do it. Right. And that creates a lot of like it's I moral mean, distress. Yes, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's my point. I'm not trying to argue that there's some some mm-hmm. like better way of doing this. I mean, yeah. I hope that there would be someday, but I'm just trying to recognize that yeah. that that's not still not like a perfect. I mean, it's just it's still a fucked up, difficult situation. Yeah. You're putting people, not you, <laughs> that we end up putting people into. Because we can't get our shit together and stay home a bit longer. Mm-hmm. 
like no matter how awful it is and how much it's crashing the economy and all the other shit. Because you wanted to make killing other people a free speech issue. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's indefensible. Exactly. Don't do that. No, it's fucked up. <sighs> yeah. I And I think the thing about COVID has just been, I, I know, I think what, is it like a 4% death rate or something? Yeah. I think that sounds low, but when you think about it, that's four people in a hundred or one people in 25. Yeah. So if you know 25 people, statistically, one of those people will die from COVID Mm -hmm. if you all catch it. So if you go to church and you know 25 people at that church, one of those 25 people is going to die when you all catch COVID. Yep. Like, and it's just random as far as we can tell. I mean... You know, there's no, it's not like, oh, yes, well, the old person's going to die and he's, right. you know, th- statistically, yes, that's more likely. Did you see that nurse uh, who was like a huge bear and then like survived COVID and just shrank down to like yes. an otter? Yeah, it's like amazing. I mean, awful, but yeah. Yeah. It's like huge guy who just, right, just like massive. wasted away. Yeah. Lost, I mean, like lost the type of muscle mass and like. Like he would calorically, there would be nothing left of him if he hadn't been a massive human being to begin with. Right. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. It's such a weird, um, the fact that it's respiratory. Anyway, all these things, uh, it's not going anywhere. A vaccine may not even be feasible. So like get with the fucking program already and just take reasonable measures to protect yourself and other people. It's really not about you. No. And this is like super hard for Americans because everything in America is about me on top. And that's how I know I'm winning. Right. Is I'm better than everybody else. Right. I deserve more things. Yeah. I have more money, whatever. And it's so this, the way to solve this problem or to live with it, it proficiently is to stop having the, needs of the individual supersede the needs of everybody else at all times. Right. Right. I don't know how we, the way through this is not an individualistic train. No. I mean, at this point we have to do this together. Yeah. Yeah. Or we're all just going to die. Yeah. I mean, we're all going to die anyway. We are dying. We're dying. Over a hundred thousand people have died in, in the U S at this point. Yeah. Um, not to make, the u.s the central point of the story i mean there's lots of people worldwide but currently the u.s is doing poorly i mean we're winning the race of dying people you know killing we're number one in fucking this up yeah which is amazing to me well and the thing that's frustrating is that (sighs) irritatingly this has turned into a national policy discussion as opposed to a healthcare discussion yeah which you know, it's a health crisis. It's a public health crisis. Yeah. And so that should be depoliticized as much as possible. But that is absolutely not what's happening. No, no. And I don't understand the death cult around this. Like, I don't understand the Republican death cult around not wearing masks and pushing into, you know, being when when you're not wearing a mask, you are intruding on somebody else's safety and their personal space. Right. Um, and I don't understand the death cult. Like, if you do everything these people model, you will die. Right. The behavior that they're modeling and and advocating for is lethal to their own constituents. Yep. It's bizarre. It's, it's super a bizarre. death cult. Right. What is going on? Yeah. 
Like it's that's what's so shocking to me is it's like you are doing things that are demonstrably weakening your base. Like these are the people we're talking about. The people who vote for that type of shit are old and infirm and white. Otherwise, right. they'd be smart enough to think about it another way. Right. And not drink bleach, but they're not drinking drink bleach. bleach. They're literally drinking. I mean, yeah. You know. So like your shit is just I don't get it. Like you're only hurting yourselves here. Yeah. What is going on? It's very strange. So, really like, as an ethicist, this is a very weird. It's a weird time, time. to be alive. <laughs> it's just a weird time to be alive for everybody. Yeah. Yeah, but this one's real tricky. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, it really is. And I mean, like, it's literally just spread by you being close enough to other people that you're breathing on them. Like, back the fuck up. Yep. Give people some space. Put your mask on. My like, I, some of my experiences I've had recently have just been making me crazy. Um, going out in public, like shopping, mm-hmm. and usually, like I shop at Trader Joe's, and usually, um, they run a pretty tight ship there, which is great. They keep you know everybody spaced out. They yeah. don't let people, very many people, into the store at one time. Um, the staff are all wearing masks. Everybody's wearing masks. It's required. Everything's sanitized. Mm-hmm. Like they're just doing the best they can. Um, they're very polite. Everything's awesome. And, um, and the last time I was in there, it was just like amateur hour and there was, and so they have the, the store that I go to is in a much older building. And so the, the, um, the row or the aisles are pretty narrow in some of them. So they've made those one way. They're like, you just start on this end, you go through, you don't pass each other. You can Mm -hmm. give each other plenty of space. It's like a buffet. Yeah. And so there's big signs saying this is one way. They're on the floor. There's signs at the end saying do not enter. And I'm walking down and this woman is like I'm waiting for her. I think that she's going the other way. So I'm just waiting for her to move down so I can get to the next section and get some things. And I'm in no hurry. I get how this works. I've done this a few times now. I'm happy to wait. So I'm waiting. And then she starts walking towards me. So I start to back up a little bit. Um, And she's still walking towards me. And I was like, excuse me, this Mm, is mm, one way. mm. Like, I can back up if you really need to come this way. She's like, oh, I didn't even notice. I just don't. And then, so this is what she does. She pulls down her mask and comes close to me to talk to me in my face. Oh, my God. Because she wants me to hear what she has to say. And and I was just like, what are you doing? You're fucking infecting me right now, you dumb asshole. I just started watching, and it was like all day long when I was out. I wasn't out that much, but all day long for the rest of the i was there i finished there i went to another store and then i was kind of in my truck like watching people in line and i watched these people what they would do is like someone would say something to them and they'd immediately pull down their mask to respond Uh. and so i just started thinking like the problem is like their the education around this must be terrible I think there's some assumption that when we say wear a mask that that is understood as in all times cover your nose and your mouth because that's the problem. Right. And yet they must not be getting that. They're just kind of like, I don't know why I'm doing this. And every time they want to talk, they pull down their mask. Well, it's like that. I'm like, that is the worst time to be doing it. But anyway. You know, it's like, it's this is a very nuanced problem. Uh-huh. And so people are like, just tell me what I'm supposed to do. Yes. And you're like, well, there's not like a specific thing. Like, yeah. we're not there yet. Right. You know, it's not like, the, we're not talking about rules here. Right. Like, 
you do you understand why you're wearing a mask like i don't think you even get why no and i don't think they do and i, I mean not everybody obviously but i think some of some people don't actually understand like it's the, really simple yeah like you are wearing a mask to keep your dirty gross spit inside your face and not on other people right that's the deal right keep your germs to yourself but how does one the, and the idea of wearing a mask is it's a failsafe. It's the lowest common denominator. You don't know if you're sick or not, so just wear the mask in case. Right. Exactly. Yeah, because you could be you could be sick and be asymptomatic. Right. Just the way it goes. And lucky you. Lucky you. But not lucky the rest of us because you've decided to spit on the rest of us. Right. Because you'd rather pull down your mask so you so I can hear what you have to say because you think I can't hear you when you're talking without a mask. Mm-hmm. Or with a mask, anyway. Yeah, it's it's unfortunate. Um, I mean, I'm I'm going to be real curious to see how the next few months go. Um, I mean, the fact like if we make it through the summer, it'll be pretty amazing. Um, yeah, yeah. I I don't know. Longest year ever. Longest year ever. Man, we are getting there though. Um, all right. Anyway, so that's some discussions around the trolley po- problem and somebody's going to die. Do you remember all that dumb shit we were worried about last June? Yeah. And oh. how inconsequential it all seems now? Oh, God. Yes, it does. It Just really think does. back to your life a year ago today. I think about... Um, did you even know what Juneteenth was last year? I did not. Mm. I um, I was both really delighted to learn about it in the sense, not in the like, hey, like I was delighted to learn about new information, not yeah. like, hey, it's great. Like the slaves like didn't even get to know that they were free for like how many, two more years? Two more years like, till someone bothered to tell them. But I was delighted to learn that um, both that it was a thing that one could know about and two that um, there are people who celebrate it and for good reason and yeah. observe it. I think celebrate and observe is, is like... I, it's kind of like Memorial Day, right? Oh, God. It's not, okay, in the true sense of like why we have Memorial Day, right? Like we have Memorial mm. Day because it's about observing and remembering people who died. Yeah. Um, and the lives that were lost and the reasons for them, good or bad. Mm-hmm. Um, I, like I think that's my understanding of it is like Juneteenth is, like, so. is basically about, you know, and like remembering this important event that happened mm-hmm. not so much about like hey let's all fucking co-opt it and go where you know yeah. let's let's go all wear blackface and get shit faced right <laughs> like, god you know, i mean sorry sombreros and drink mexican you know anyway no that's uh yeah de Mayo. right which everyone my... thinks is like independence and it's like no it's not it's just about a battle that happened like it's not yeah. even uh it's not even Anyway, yeah. anyway, I, I certainly can't speak to um, the importance of Juneteenth, Juneteenth because I wasn't there and also I'm not black. And so I will probably just shut up about it and listen to other people that have probably more poignant things to say about it. Right. But I am glad to learn about it and I'm glad that it's becoming more mainstream and understood and aware of it. Um, mm-hmm. We don't learn that shit in history school. No. You know, all right, history. It's school. A very it's in a, school in history. It's a very wow. uncomfortable narrative because even a child could see right through it. Yes, that's exactly. why they don't teach it in elementary school because yeah. a kid would be like, "Well, this hardly seems fair." Right. You're not wrong. Yeah. I man, when the wool was pulled over, like 
when the wool was like removed from my eyes, like when I, I like basically once I got out of high school and I started and oh, this is one thing that's been great about the internet is like being able to learn about how information like why I was taught some things in school and why I wasn't yeah. and the politics around um basically Texas school boards dictating all school books for most public schools right. in the country and like just the absurd amount of shit that's like put in versus left out and what that means as a child, like, you know, what I get to know about and what I don't get to know about because, you know, public school is my main source of information. Yeah. Um, right. And private schools all just being like religious schools anyway and not <laughs> quality of education has nothing to do with it. Nope. I mean, I, so I went to a private school for one year because my misguided dad thought that, my stepmom had some good merit about me going to this fucking school is going to fix me or something. Uh And, um, and it was fucked up for so many reasons. But the thing that I, I really hate the most about it is that in the science class, I learned that men had one less rib than women. And because you can't feel all of your ribs, I had no real way of verifying this other than just being like, huh? I never thought that, that it was for religious reasons. I was already not buying the bullshit religion thing, but I thought that's a funny myth that they made up about a real fact that men, for whatever reason, biologically don't Um, have one of these ribs. Right. Right. And so for the longest time, I thought men were short one rib until I went to college and took real biology and actually learned that that was bullshit. Dude, I have the same exact and thing. so yeah. I'm like, God, what did I learn in sixth grade that I've just taken for fact forever and no one's ever, you know, like brushed it aside as being non-factual? Have you read or heard of the book Lies My Teacher Told Me? No. It's about, it's a history professor, history uh-huh. teacher who's like, yeah, this shit never happened. It's just a convenient story that they tell you. That's fantastic. I mean, it's terrible that they do that, but that's some fantastic that someone's written a book about that. Yeah. Lies My Teacher Told Me. I'll have to check that out. All kinds of interesting things in there. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh God. Anyway, I forget how I got on that rant. COVID Juneteenth. 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 Yeah. I brought it up because I was like, did you even yes. know what Juneteenth was? No, right. Because we were talking about last June. Yeah. Civil um, run rest and pandemic. And here we are. Yeah. I, I like if COVID hadn't happened, I would have, I think I would have not been, I mean, I'm still not surprised that civil unrest is going on. It's that, totally justifiable. Yeah, it's totally justifiable. And I'm, I'm horrified at the brutality of the response to it. Yeah. So the here's a, here's a like violation of human rights on every front is uh-huh. just untenably gross. Yeah. Like, the way that you fucking respond to criticisms about excessive use of force is not by responding with an excessive use of force. Right. You're not, and yet, you're just proving the point here. And they just go for like just double down. I, this is the thing about that sort of mindset is it just seems to be like, Oh, you think I'm, did, did you just say that I said, fuck you to you? Well, fuck you. Well, fuck you. You're doing it again. Yes, fuck you. Like it's just yeah. double down the whole way. Escalate, Am I a racist? Escalate, yeah, escalate. I'm super racist. Like, you know what yeah. I mean? It's like it's just God, I don't even know. Um it's it's super unfortunate. It's so sad. 
it's so disruptive to like the society. Like, do they want to live in that society? Yeah. Like they this is, like they're your neighbors. Everyone you live together. Yeah, I. Um, we all live on this planet. Like you can't. When I I talked to some of the city council members um, in Minneapolis prior to all of this happening because I was just a sort of involved person, and so my ward one city council member um, is not like a stranger to us in the neighborhood, but he doesn't always do things that we support necessarily. Right. Um, and when the city council in Minneapolis is calling for dis- defunding and dismantling the police, <clears throat> nine of the 12 council members were totally on board with this. Uh-huh. And mine came along eventually. Um, but I sent an email to the people who were on board from the get-go. Yeah. And I said, it's inconscionable that People in our community are targeted unfairly. Um, It's crazy as a person who is not unfairly targeted to want to live in a place where that happens to other people. Right. And I pointed that out in an email that I sent to the city council members like this what the effect has on everybody is either being over policed or having to stand by and watch people you know get over policed yeah and either way it makes minneapolis a place that people don't want to live right because i don't want to live in a place where just because of how i happen to look at first glance i'm left alone right unmolested and somebody else gets shot in handcuffs like this is not a place where the rest of us who are not directly impacted with an existential threat want to live right and obviously like we'll see what happens with minneapolis and i mean there are other places that have defunded the police very successfully really yeah camden new jersey is one of them oh that's right yeah i there saw are, the pixies re- reunification tour or a reunited mm, tour there mm. they were pretty great i mean what we have to remember is that the police show up after the problem has already happened right yeah Please don't prevent crime. No. Um, they aggravate it. They aggravate it. Yep. And they escalate it. So yep. that simple crime becomes violent. Yep. Almost universally. Yeah. And if you're going to be realistic about that truth, um, then any discussion of reforming something that, that is that destructive is insulting. It's super insulting. It's like, oh, well... We'll just have them escalated a little less. Will that make you feel better? No. I. <laughs> what will make me feel better is no no longer having police. Right. And like I've had this, I've had an abolitionist position on the prison industrial complex and on policing in general uh, yeah. since my 20s. And right. it was really fascinating to me because I didn't set out to be a fucking anarchist. I didn't right. have like an ego-driven reason to align myself with a particular set of political or like philosophical views. Right. It just turns out that the set of views and arguments that I hold and the justifications for how I live my life very closely align me with anarchists. Right. So that's what I am. I I always find... And it's, it's funny to me that I was a few months ago considered like 
for views that I have held unwaveringly throughout this entire time. Like this wasn't the first time I thought about all of this shit was sure. when the cops in Minneapolis killed another fucking person. Right. Um, this is not stuff that I just started thinking about. This is stuff I've been thinking about for a long time. Um, and I, I've considered it very heavily prior to all of the current shit show happening. And I just uh, abolish police about, Abolish police and abolish prisons. Yeah. They're not solving anything. No. Well, except for like a couple of people getting rich. Yeah. Real rich. Yeah. And there's a lot. I mean, we could go into so much more and I have all kinds of resources and things like read fucking Angela Davis, Professor Angela Davis, who's been an activist since the fucking 60s and is like this fascinating woman and is in so brilliant and is so courageous she has all kinds of writing about prisons like a book is prison obsolete yes right yes the only justifications for the way that our society is structured right now are racist ones yeah and so you know if you had if you had cancer, would you be satisfied if your doctor was like, well, we could eradicate this, but instead we're just going to try and like reshape it a little bit and see how that goes. Like this thing is killing you. Right. It's killing all the people around you, but we just don't want to let go of it yet. And so we're just going to try and figure out ways of making this cancer slightly less bad for you. Right. Drag it out a little bit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, uh, time to start over. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't I d- I disagree fundamentally with the idea that I need to pay people to tell me how to behave. Mhm. That makes me an anarchist. I I don't want to put my trust and uh-huh. give up my rights to self-determination because I want to appeal to a higher authority. There is no one has a higher authority than themselves. Right. Um, yeah. And I mean, I don't, I, I don't disagree with that. I don't think that people who don't understand anything about my background or my situation are equipped. I don't think anybody is equipped to show up in the middle of a crisis situation and think clearly about and dictate what the next best steps are. Like if you have, that's just a fact. Like, Right. Anyone who shows up to a crisis situation you're in is going to have less information about that situation than you. Yeah. Um, I. And if I, I don't think that those people who show up to help in a crisis should be people who bring guns to. To a situation that like most of the lethal. time doesn't have guns. Yeah. I mean, most of these shootings, it's like they're unarmed men or yeah. women like in their beds asleep. Yeah. It's fucked up. In why was it? Why did they even have a gun a out? Bed. Like, what yeah. are they doing? What? Yeah, it's very fucked up. Um, yeah, and I, you know, the the idea of anarchism. I was thinking about how it's so, like, it's like the same thing with um, the anti-fascist movement. It's sort of it's hilarious to me, partly that 
that these like propaganda campaigns to vilify and talk about how organized these like inherently unorganized movements are decentralized movements. they're decentralized yeah. it's not yeah i mean they're not entirely unorganized but the idea that it's like oh that that if i'm that if i subscribe to anarchist beliefs in in government um or like self-government yeah or that i'm anti-fascist that i'm somehow aligned An with someone else who has yeah God, it's so fucked up. Um, I, anarchy in particular, I find really fascinating because it has, it's such a loaded word because it's been yeah. so vilified. Yeah. And so it doesn't ever, like the first thing it conjures up is like disaffected, angry youth throwing fire, fire bombs. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's like, no, that's not at all. I mean, it's just not even remotely what it's about and mm-hmm. it is it is like a valid form of self-government whether it's successful or not is a separate issue that yeah. only bears out over time and whether that fits for you know like anything i mean you know like any kind of form of self-government there's just there's no glory in anarchy either like no it's not an ego-driven practice no and i mean i i suppose um you know, the thing about anarchy that is appealing as an individual, but also probably turns a lot of people off is that there's no way for me to have control over other people. Right. And that's what people want because, or they think they want. Um, The illusion of control. Yeah. The illusion of control over other people. And that is, um, that's a hard thing to let go of. Yeah. If that's what you've grown up with and you've been taught and that's what you need to have is, you know, because other people are inherently dangerous and so you have to control them. Which is, yeah, anyway. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I think I think we're good. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I could talk for hours on this and we, we've gone to gone to quite great lengths. But um anyway, that's our that's our thoughts on um Somebody's gonna die, but for real this time. Yeah, but for real this time. No, but for real. But for real. Guys, guys. But guys, guys. For real this time. Guys. Uh, anyway, I hope uh, you guys are uh, listening to this and staying safe and, you know, doing the best you can where you are. And, um, yeah, hopefully by the time you listen to this, there's been some positive changes and things are moving in a better direction. Right. Or they're rapidly approaching a terrible direction, which hopefully then will you and I and the rest of us will survive and be able to rebuild on the other side of. So we'll see how that goes. But yeah, giving there's no way out of this, but giving a shit about other people. Yeah. Yep. That's it. Yeah. That's the only thing that's going to work. You right. have to actually genuinely give a shit about other people. So should we call that the tip for living well in hell? Yes. Giving a shit about living, giving, giving a, a shit, shit about, about other people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. I think that's good. <laughs>